Good morning, church. That was a very good pronunciation of my last name. Uh, I'll, uh, as I say, I will answer to anything. Uh, but uh, first and foremost, um, I want to thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. Uh, when I am not doing this right here, I actually attend First Baptist Church, Marlowe, Oklahoma. So that is our connection. That is our connection, not necessarily the church, but Brother Joe Legan. Brother Joe Legan uh, was my senior pastor for more years than I'm going to announce this morning. But not only was he my senior pastor, he is truly my friend. He has uh, been with me through thick and thin, and I... I do want to tell you a little bit about myself, so just a small portion of my testimony, because I believe it's very important for you to understand who's behind the pulpit. So with this little bit of information that I'm about to give you, you you'll have a little bit of an idea of who I am. Uh, First Baptist Church. I was saved at First Baptist Church. I was ordained at First Baptist Church, and I received my calling. Now, when I say that I receive my calling, we all receive a calling from God. Amen? So, I thought my calling was going to be specific. I really believed that I was going to be behind a pulpit every Sunday, teaching on Wednesdays. And it took me a few years to figure out that that was not my calling. My calling is simply to love on people, as we all should. My calling is is definitely to love on people, and my testimony is to bring the Word to life, to make sure that, that people have the opportunity to hear God's Word. I am married. I've been married for 34 years to my girlfriend, Tammy Michelle Wells Jaramillo. That's how you pronounce my last name. And if y'all need uh, you know, any... Uh, uh, Lessons on how to say that after church, I'll be more than happy. Uh, believe it or not, there's some familiar people, some familiar faces here in the church, and I'm not going to embarrass them, but they're sitting right there. <laughs> uh, when he walked in this morning, when he walked in this morning, I saw him and I was like, oh my gosh, I met him uh, on a flight to, from Ecuador to Panama. Believe it or not, I met the walkers there. And he was talking about a small town in southern Oklahoma, and I kind of turned around, and, and I was like, I cannot believe the way God works sometimes, right? But I am married. I have two children, uh, Joshua and Christina. Both of them are married. Uh, my son and my daughter-in-law, Samantha, had their first child this year, July the 10th. Uh, Augustine is his name. And for the grandparents that are out there, because y'all will understand this, I love him, he's beautiful, he is perfect. I've never, ever had to change a diaper. I never have seen him get angry, or I've never seen him be hungry for some reason. I, I can't figure that out. But it is wonderful. It truly is wonderful to be a grandparent. My, my daughter, Christina, and her husband, uh, Don Smith... Uh, they reside in Marlow. Uh, my son-in-law is actually the, one of the worship leaders uh, for First Baptist Church Marlow. 
and Connection Church, Duncan. So that kind of sums me up. Um, I enjoy what I get to do. God has blessed me, has blessed my family in ways uh, that I could not imagine. I could not imagine. And if you have put any math together, if you've put the math together, uh, Brother Joe Lee, my pastor, for, I'm going to tell you, probably 16 or 17 years, I was saved at First Baptist Church, Marl. So I was saved when I was 40 years old. Uh, 40 years old. And, and from that time, so now you're putting the math together, you know how old I am, right? But through that time, uh, what I believe to be coincidence, what I believe to be luck, uh, now I see it for what it truly is. It's God's blessing. It's God's blessings on individuals. It's God's blessing on a church. And, and, and oh my gosh, Lottie Moon, we're in the season of Advent, right? I have seen the recipients of Lottie Moon. I have truly seen the recipients of Lottie Moon in the difference that that makes, church. It is unbelievable. But that's enough uh, about me. Today we're going to be in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And as you get there, as you get there, as always, I want to take this opportunity to talk about the introduction of Scripture. Because it is... Very obvious to me, because I, when, I'm, when I am preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. But as I told you to go to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, some of you all automatically, and you don't have to raise your hands or anything, but automatically you, you thought of that scripture and, and it's familiar to you. But being familiar with scripture sometimes cannot be beneficial. Matter of fact, a lot of times it's not beneficial. Because when you're familiar with Scripture, and I don't know how yours is titled, uh, but mine is simply said, it, it talks about Jesus teaches Nicodemus. But when we're familiar with Scripture, church, we miss out on the details of that Scripture. Because sometimes, and as I said, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself... I, I think about that, and I'm like, oh yeah, that familiar script, that, that scripture's familiar to me, and I may not pay as much attention to it. So don't be familiar with scripture, right? Read the scripture, be in the scripture. But uh, it is very, it's very important that we do not miss out on any of the details of what Christ has to tell us. Because, trust me, church. <laughs> When I tell you that, and I'm keeping an eye on that clock up there because I have a tendency to chase rabbits. I have, and uh, usually the rabbits outrun me, so I keep on chasing them. But um, there is so much here in this scripture. And as I said, I have, you know, approximately 30 minutes or something to that nature. And I do want to get you to Sunday school on time. So I, I'm going to do my best to, to stay with my notes. And this is where I make the promise. Uh, and I always do this. The promise that I'll make you this morning, church, is that I will do my best to make it through all the scripture that we're going to read this morning. Uh, that is my promise to you. 
I didn't promise you that we will make it through all the Scripture, but I promise you that we're going to do our best to make it through the Scripture that God has led me uh, to be in this morning. So, even before we read the Scripture, I want to ask a question of the church. I want to ask a a question to each and every one of you individually. And it's a very simple question, but I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it as we go through this verse and we talk about it. But were you made for this condition? Were you made or born into this condition? And as, and as I got ready for this uh, sermon, I went ahead and looked up the definition of condition. And this, from the dictionary, it says, "...the circumstances affecting the way in which people live or work, especially with regard to their safety or well-being." So as we go through this scripture, think about your condition... Um, I know that I have been what I would consider harsh working conditions. I was in the military for eight years. I served in the Persian Gulf War. Uh, After that, I was in the Navy, uh, mind you, while while I did that. Uh, After that, I, I did join the National Guard, and I found out real quick that the National Guard, you had to be in shape for that. And I was a sailor, and I'd been a sailor for eight years, so uh, uh, I, I did exactly the time allotted to me you know, to be in the National Guard, but soon after that I got out of it. But I have been in what I would consider a harsh working environment. I have been in an environment that truly made me make decisions uh, not only for my well-being, but for the well-being of the people that were around me, right? Because uh, how many of y'all have been in the military? Well, I thank you for your service. I thank you for your service. Were any of you in the Navy? So, you know, the term in the Navy was well-oiled machine, that everybody understood exactly what they were supposed to do. And if they didn't do that, then you were going to put yourself in a harsh situation because you were so completely dependent upon those that you worked with. You didn't work with them. You worked with them. You lived with them. You ate with them. You did everything with them. So as we go through this scripture, I want you to keep that, not, in, not on your mind, but in your heart, were we made for these conditions. So if you'll join me in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And as I said, mine is titled... Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born 
of water and the Spirit. Flesh, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and what we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Father God, I thank you today for this opportunity. Uh, Father, I would just ask that, that you would be with us, that the Holy Spirit would just flood this church. Father, that your presence would be so thick that we, we know that you are here with us. And Father, especially in this time of Advent, it, uh, Father, it is, it is to us, more special, Father, because we get to come as like-minded and like-hearted people. And Father, we get to share your word. We get to share your love. We get to share your strength. And Father, we just ask for your continued blessing on this church. And, 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 that, and, and Father, I know, Father, I know that they're in a process of finding that new leader for this church, for this community. And Father, I know, I've been there. I, I have been there. And Father, I know uh, the great weight that that puts on these members. But Father, I'd ask that you would uh, continue to bless them in that. And Father, just be with us as we continue this morning. And it's in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I am going, for no better words, to pick on someone this morning. And it's going to be a specific Pharisee named Nicodemus. And I want to tell you a little about Nicodemus before we get into the Scripture. Nicodemus, if the historians are right, was born into wealth. Uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of Israel. But as, as I said, as I started out this morning, some specific details that we would miss out on if we were not paying attention. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council, better known as the Sanhedrin, right? So here is a man who has wealth, uh, who has a, a very big title, and he's also part of the ruling council of Israel, better known as the Sanhedrin, which was made up of Sadducees and Pharisees. And I want to tell you, I could sit here all morning and tell you the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee, but the one that we need to talk about this morning is the fact that the Sadducees 
had, they, they believed in the first five books of the Bible, right? The Torah. That is what they believed in. And that's the way that they lived their life. The idea in in their belief, their religion, was that when the body died, the soul tied with the body. That it was over with. It was done for. And obviously the Pharisees did not see it that way. The Pharisees would have believed also in the Torah, but they also would have knowledge of the rest of the Old Testament. And they did believe in life after death. That's where the Sadducees believed that the internal soul of the body died with the body. So that was their biggest difference. So to me, when I read the scripture and I see this man named Nicodemus being part of the Sanhedrin, it is, it is a contradiction to me. It truly is. How can you work with somebody that doesn't even have the same beliefs that you do. And church, does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to you of of what we're experiencing now? I, I would say the United States, but really the whole world, that we don't work together. We don't work together because we don't see things the same way. But this is Nicodemus. This is Nicodemus, <clears throat> excuse me, in a nutshell. And as I got prepared for this... I, I, I do take on uh, other readings, and, and if we pay attention, and let me just read this again. A Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, he came to Jesus at night. So historically, historically, if you pay attention to any conversation that Jesus had right Prior to this meeting with a Pharisee, it wasn't a conversation at all. It was more of them trying to trap Jesus or uh, trying to get him to come clean on breaking the law that they had established, right? There wasn't good conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees. So... The two different points of view of this is that, that Nicodemus simply did not want to be seen by the public. And when I say the public, he did not want to be seen by the Jewish public or the Roman public, for that matter. Because, church, we got to be honest here. Nicodemus has stature. He has wealth. He has position. He is a teacher of Israel. There are others below him that he is teaching the same religion to. So he had a lot to lose. So that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me of of why he came at night. Another view of this, and as I said, none of those conversations that had taken place prior to that went well. And this is a teacher of Israel. And I'm going to wear this word out this morning probably. But audience... Would you not want to have an audience with Jesus Christ with no other conversations going on? Without anybody heckling? Without anybody trying to trap him? Because we see, we see it right here. He says that we know. Man, do I ever wish I knew who we were, right? Because if I knew who we were, 
and, and, you know, we can only speculate on that. But it says it right here, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Would you not want to have a one-on-one conversation with, with a man? Because he states it. He states it. We know you're a man of God. So would you not want to have that audience? Would you not love to have that audience? Well, church, I, I would tell you that we do have that audience. We have that audience every day through prayer, right? We also have that audience uh, when there is a family that is in need that's standing right in front of us. We have that one-on-one. We have the, the widow or the orphan that we are supposed to simply love and care for. We have that audience. I'm chasing rabbits, and I promised you guys I wouldn't do that, but I am. But what Nicodemus does here is he actually starts the conversation, but he is pouring out what he knows to Christ. He, son of uh, a man of God, because he, he doesn't realize that he's talking to Christ. But he's pouring out what he knows about Christ, what he has heard, or what he has seen about Christ. And, and, and forgive me here, church, because I am a child of the 80s, uh, so my vocabulary sometimes uh, may be a little bit funny, but what Jesus does with this is unbelievable. What he does to Nicodemus, I think, is, is harsh, uh, maybe a little... Uh, non-deserving. That's the only benefit of the doubt that I want to give to Nicodemus this morning. But what Jesus does is he hears, obviously he heard what Nicodemus had to say, right? But it ended there. Because what does Jesus do? It's pretty awesome. Jesus replies, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. He takes the conversation he, he literally turns it upside down. Jesus hears what Nicodemus says, but he says, all well and good, Nicodemus, but you have to be reborn again. You have to be reborn again. Whatever you know, whatever you believe, because things are about to change, things are going to get different, because now I am here. I am going to replace the law. I'm going to take away all of these rituals and and the religious activities that you have. Uh, And you know, one thing that you have to do know, that uh, within the the Sadducees, there were basically two traditions, and one of them was an oral tradition. Basically a man-made tradition, right? And the Pharisees followed closely behind with the fact that there are a lot of things that they did that they just came up on their own. And, and they called it their religion. They, they called it, uh, what it, it this is what we're going to do to appease our God. But Jesus is here, and he's going to turn it upside down. Whatever you know, whatever you have done, none of that matters now because it's very simple you have to be reborn. 
And as I said, you know, I'm not giving Nicodemus the benefit of the doubt. And we're going to see that later in Scripture. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. And you're saying, Brother Tony, you're being pretty harsh on this man because we have a one-up on them. We have the Bible. And we can read the Bible. He was a teacher of Israel. He's a teacher of Israel. And we're going to see it. You know what? If Jesus doesn't give him any slack, I'm surely not going to give him any slack. Right? And, and, the, and the reason that I'm telling you this is that the reply that Nicodemus has to Jesus about being reborn again. And, and let me just simply read it. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their, into their mother's womb to be born. Nicodemus heard... He's listening to Jesus because, right, as I said in the first verses, that he knows that he is a man of God, right? He knows that he's a man of God, and he hears what Jesus says, but what does Nicodemus do? He pushes back, church. He pushes back. Have you ever been part of something that you simply didn't understand, whether it be at church, whether it be at work, at play, if a new idea surfaces that you're not part of or you just simply don't understand, what is the first thing that we do? We push back, right? We push back. We push back on, on uh, uh, the color of the carpet in our sanctuary. And, but here, and you know, I, I could see it, obviously, a man, a teacher of Israel, saying, I don't understand what you're saying, but he pushes it back. In church, that sounds familiar to me. I, I know that I have pushed back. I have pushed back on occasions on, 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 on an idea within the, within the church. And I, I'll push back on it before I receive all the information, before I even pray about it. I'll, I'll just be like, well, that's... That's ridiculous. I, I don't want to have any part to do with that. That just doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like anything the church needs to do. And, and I'm simply doing that because I haven't heard all the information, right? Or I just simply think, my goodness, what's the purpose? What is the purpose of this? So it's no different here. Nicodemus does not understand what Jesus is talking about. So what does he do? He naturally, he pushes back. He, he pushes back on Jesus. And what does Jesus do? And, and church, if you're taking notes, this is what Jesus does. He loves him. He has patience with him. Because what does he do? Jesus comes back and says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the Spirit. He repeats himself. And church, we need to learn that. We need to learn that we have to repeat ourselves sometimes. How many people do you work with, that you play with, that you go to school with, that you know don't come to church? 
Every one of us knows some of those people. I, 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 I have a, an ongoing prayer now for five or six years for, for one family just to come to church. One, one Sunday. If they could simply come to church on one Sunday, I know that their lives would be changed. I know this family. I know this man. And I know his, his, his abilities and, and his love. I know all of those things because I see them. But am I going to change him? Are you going to change him? No. Christ is the one that's going to change him. So Jesus sits here and he repeats himself. So we have to understand and see Christ in his patience in this dealing. Because once again, I'm going to say it, his audience, his audience, he is a Pharisee and he's also part of the Sanhedrin the Sanhedrin that had the final say in everything from education to the law, right? They were the final say. But Jesus has patience with Nicodemus, even though he knows who Nicodemus is, a teacher of Israel. So let's continue reading. Verse 6, it says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Every, uh, everything points to Jesus in one form or another. And this is a man that uh, had that ability and had that knowledge to know that Jesus was to come. That a Savior would be in their midst and that he would make a difference in their lives. Turn it upside down, change is about to come, get, re- get ready for different, right? He should have known all of this stuff. But as I said, Jesus, he repeats himself and he gives, Jesus gives specific information And I know, as I said, with the audience that Nicodemus had, with Christ being there, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised. And he's he's, he's Nicodemus. He's the one talking, right? Jesus is talking to specifically to Nicodemus and says, You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. And, and he gives him an earthly example here. Hmm. He gives him this earthly example because maybe, maybe Nicodemus was not so far away from God that at least he would understand an earthly, an, a, an earthly example of the wind blows. Excuse me, let me get there. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. 
So he gives him an example of the wind that you can hear the wind. We can all hear, boy, the, what was it, last week? I'm sure we could all have heard the wind, right? My goodness, I was uh, actually in New Mexico during that time, and they don't have no trees or grass where I was, so it was just sand. It, it felt like I was getting sandblasted. But we could hear that wind, and we have no idea where it was coming from or, or where it was going. So at, at minimum... Jesus is trying to get him to understand that that is the same way with the Spirit, to be reborn again. To be reborn again, uh, you have to have faith. We don't see it right here in, in, in these verses, but what Jesus is telling him is that what you are missing out on is faith. Nicodemus was so far away from God's word that he couldn't even understand that, much less to be reborn again. Church, there are many people, many people in this world, and trust me, I've met one of them, they know the Bible better than any of us sitting in this room. Matter of fact, they probably do have the whole book memorized. But they don't believe it. Because what they, lie, what they lack is faith, right? Faith the size of a mustard seed. That's all that is required of us. Is faith the size of a mustard seed. And at, and at that point, we can move mountains, right? But what Jesus is trying to get us to understand here is that we can all know the Bible. And as I said, I know an individual that knows the Bible. From, from Genesis to Revelation, he understands the Bible, but he does not believe in the Bible. And I believe that Nicodemus was so far away from God's Word that he did not realize who he was speaking to. So I would ask the church, would we know? Would we know if Christ came in the door? I, I would ask you that uh, are we reading our Bibles to become more like Jesus or are we reading the Bible so that we can answer the questions in Sunday school? Nicodemus would have surely had the Torah memorized and he would have known the rest of the Old Testament and he would have seen where Isaiah spoke about Jesus. He would have seen the poetry of the Psalms talking about Christ. And, and oh my goodness, when... When we start to worship this morning, when we started to worship this morning, um, that is one of my favorite uh, styles of worshiping God. And they did a beautiful job this morning. My, my heart just swells with love for our Creator. When, when I hear the church singing praises to the Lord, and, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret, uh, and this one's free. Uh, God... wants to be glorified. 
but in turn, in, in us glorifying Him by our actions, by our worship, uh, we are blessed, right? It is not conditioned on joy. The only thing that is not conditioned, because in order for us to receive earthly joy, there has to be a condition, right? That's not the way it is with Christ. That's not the way that he is explaining it to Nicodemus. That that joy that we have with Christ, it's non-conditional. Because he loves us. And there is no conditions attached to it. It's beautiful to me. It is beautiful. But Nicodemus had missed that. And that's why he could hear Jesus, but he didn't understand what Jesus was telling him. He was so far separate from God's words that he did not understand who was standing in front of him. As we continue, Nicodemus once again pushes back. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. This is the reason I don't give Nicodemus the benefit of the doubt. Because Jesus tells us himself that you're the, you're the teacher. You're the teacher of Israel. And you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and what we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. Very interesting there. When Jesus says that... We speak, we speak of what we know. Uh, Jesus is talking about himself. He's talking about the Trinity. He's talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus had seen and heard, so he is who, the one who can testify. He is the one. Jesus is it's talking about himself. Jesus is the only one who has ever descended and ascended. He is, he is the ultimate. He is the one to go to. But it, it is amazing to me that it is as simple as whoever believes may have eternal life in him. At church, I, I see this. I see this as the greatest Christmas present that you will ever receive. It is the greatest present that, that us uh, born into a sinful nature can ever receive. And I started this with a question. I started this with, were you meant for these conditions? Absolutely not. We were not meant for these conditions because if we were meant for these conditions, then it would be very... This scripture we were living in, scripture wouldn't be in here. Because if we were meant for the condition that we were living in, then that means that, and, I, and I'm just going to rattle off a few that are kind of personal to me. And, and, and once again, there's one that I'll explain to you if I need to. But if I were made for these conditions, I would not be a diabetic. If I were made for these conditions, I would not have broken my arm. If I were made for these conditions, then I wouldn't have a sinful nature. Right? If I was made for this condition, then I wouldn't have been shot in the leg by a brother-in-law. And that's the one I'll, you know, if y'all need to be 
a little bit more information. It was by accident. <laughs> these things, we're not meant for these conditions. But what is, what is the medicine for that sinful nature? It's Christ. The only one that can put a cure to this condition that we live in, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm debating here. Uh, I'm about to chase a rabbit. Okay, we'll do it. So I have a very good friend who is a pastor, and I heard him talking to an individual one time. He said, let's put Christ aside for a moment. Let's just pretend that Christ doesn't even exist. What kind of life do you want to live? And, and the man replied, well, I wouldn't change anything because there are still people that are in need. There are still people that go hungry. There are still people that just want to be heard. He said, so you wouldn't change a thing? No, I wouldn't change a thing. He says, okay, now let's put Christ into the mix. Let's bring him back into the mix. Do you not want direction? Do you not want to know where uh, that need is? Do you not want to uh, be that person that is available to, to listen and to hear the need of the people? So where are you going to get your direction? And how are you going to learn how to minister to different people? And that's what we see here. And, and I will be closing soon. But that's what we see here. We see Jesus, first of all, being direct with Nicodemus. You have to be born again. Then we see Jesus and his patience with Nicodemus. Right? He, he could have simply said, okay... This is the end of our meeting, right? You have came and I have told you. You have to be born again. But he didn't do that. He had patience with Nicodemus. And he goes on to explain. And of course, the verse that we're all familiar with, right? John 3.16. One of the, the most beautiful verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in Him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. All of that for you and I. All of that that we have every day available to us in the Bible. I don't give, I do not give Nicodemus the benefit of the doubt. He was a teacher of Israel. Uh, he had an audience with Jesus Christ. But he was so far detached from God's word that he did not know who he's talking to, nor did he understand him. And church, that may sound familiar to some of you. Uh, but as I said, and, and, and as I always emphasize the fact that we need to be in the word. Being in the word will transform us to understanding the purpose of Lottie Moon. Being in, the word, being in the Word will make us better stewards of what He has given us. Right? It is imperative that we know the need and that we fulfill it 
If you can't do it on your own, man, you have a church to do it. You have a church to do it. And as I said, this is the greatest Christmas present that you can ever receive is salvation through Jesus Christ. Um, I, w- I do want to do an invitation. My invitations are probably a little bit different than what you're accustomed to. But, but if there is a decision that, that you have made, and I'm, right now I'm talking to the believers. I'm talking to the believers in this church. If there is something that, that God is leading you to do, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with the church. That's how the church grows, right? That's how we become one. We share those things that God is doing in our lives in order to build the church, and not just to build the church, but build the community. So if that is you, by all means, by all means, share that with the church. For those of you that don't know Christ, and you know, I have seen miracles. Truly, I have seen miracles. And... and and this part of the year, this season is different. It truly is. This is Christmas. This is Christmas. This is the time that, that nice people actually are kind for a small amount of period. That, that, that's a completely different sermon, but it, it is. It's a time where actually nice people become kind because I can be nice, right? I can be nice to anybody I want to. But to truly be kind as Christ is to us is a completely different story. But if you'll join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this church and I thank you for these people. Father, I just I would ask that this church be a light to this community. Uh, Father, that they, they just simply come through the doors. They don't know why, but they just come through the doors. And Father, that that their lives would be transformed by your love, by your grace. Father, I once again thank you for this opportunity to be here and, 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 and Father, just to be able to share your word. Father, my, my testimony is your word. Uh, for I live by the grace that you have given me through the shedding of your blood on Calvary. Father, what a beautiful way to show that you love us is by giving us your son. And Father, at, at this time and in, in the season of Advent, as we celebrate the birth of your son, that he would come and be with us, Father, to see and to experience the pain and the agony Father, the loneliness, uh, and Father, also the joy and the celebration and the victory. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much for this, for this time that we've had this morning. And it's in Jesus' precious name. Amen.